article, he calls it the mother of all tests. And so that is like, I think that language is so helpful because this exam is not just like any midterm a student has taken or any final. It really is a big exam. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Life and Accounting. We are a podcast production of whereaccountantsgo.com. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for this show. Well, I have a very special episode for you this week. I'm really excited about it. For anyone that's pursued becoming a CPA, you know that it's a major endeavor. And even for those that are considering doing it in the future or are even on that path now, you likely have thought about the effort that you're going to need to put in to pass. Well, passing for most people involves more than just reviewing technical content. There's habits that have to be formed and really an overall strategy that you need to employ if you want to be assured that you're going to reach your ultimate goal of passing all the parts of the exam. Well, for this episode, I invited Brian Cush and Amber Setter from Intend to Lead to join us to discuss all the other things that you need to do in order to prepare yourself for success. For the record, I really do believe that you should take a review course, but I've also just become very aware that most of us need more than that. We need things like an accountability partner or or even a group, and, and like I mentioned, really an overall strategy to get us across the finish line. I think you're really gonna get a lot out of this episode, whether you yourself are pursuing the exam or even just thinking about it, or if you have team members, perhaps, that are considering pursuing the CPA exam. Amber and Brian are very generous with their insights and advice on this episode. We were really fortunate to get that much time with them. If you do find value in this episode for yourself, please check us out online as well. You can find us at www.whereaccountantsgo.com. We have all kinds of audio and written accounting career-focused materials there. We have a blog. We have all the other podcasts, of course, several books to help you in your career, and we've just launched a job board. Plus, we even have some tools for employers as well. So please check us out at www.whereaccountantsgo.com. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started with today's episode. Here's Amber Setter and Brian Cush from Intend to Lead. Amber and Brian, welcome back. I feel like we're, we're having a little bit of a reunion here. Thank you, Mark. It's great to be back and for you to have asked me to be back again. And yeah, it does feel like a reunion and it's, it's a treat for me to be back and, and to talk with Amber here as well. Yeah, we're um, delighted to be here, Mark. And when you reached out, I got really excited because the last time we spoke, someone listened to your podcast and it made a difference for them. And as we, the three of us, talked about the possibility of today, I just get even more excited because I think that it will really help, hopefully have an impact for your listeners and to make a difference in their lives. Wonderful. I really do appreciate y'all taking the time out because I know time is valuable. So, so thank you. For the audience, this is going to be a special edition episode for Life in Accounting. We have Brian Cush and Amber Setter joining us today. And, and Brian and Amber are both with Intend to Lead. We've had several guests from that organization intend to lead on the show before sharing their career stories with us. And in fact, Amber and Brian (laughs) did as well earlier on. But this time, I invited them back on the show for a different purpose. Over the last few months, I've been seeing more and more out there about passing the CPA exam, but outside of just the technical knowledge that you get from review courses. And, And I know 
some review courses get into study habits, but I wanted to delve deeper into that with two experts in the coaching area so we could give you some real actionable advice on this episode. So Brian and Amber accepted the invitation, and I very much appreciate that. I'm really looking forward to this. Brian and Amber, I wanted to get an idea of why this particular topic is important to you personally as well. So Amber, why don't you go first? What caused you to decide to spend time helping others pass the exam? Yeah, so I'm going to answer that question, but the first place I want to start is it's just really such a full circle moment because the way that I first met Brian, who is, you know, with Intend to Lead and that opportunity was possible for me to work with them and play in the dimension of possible. Actually, I met Brian because many years ago, I was a candidate and I was struggling with the exam. I had never experienced failure, you know, just the way I did things is like get an accounting degree, check, get a, you know, an internship, check, like whatever goal I set for myself, I achieved. And the exam was really challenging for me. And Brian wrote an article that the CPA exam is more than just a test, like that we learned so much about ourselves in the process. And it was the first time I actually wrote fan mail to an author of an article out there. And that's many, many years ago, how Brian and I connected. But really, that's you know, like I was me for me personally, the struggle to becoming a CPA was very challenging, very rigorous. And so much so that I feel like even though I passed after I passed, I felt like I was having a breakdown. And part of my journey through going through a breakdown going like, why did I just how did I get so burned out? What happened? I eventually passed. But what do I really want to do next? That actually got me on the path to becoming a professional coach. And so for me, it's just a joy because I really relate to people's struggles. I struggled very much so myself. And to be able to help them, you know, get through it, whether it's from sharing a little bit about my own journey or now also providing them with professional coaching tools to get, you know, whatever additional experience in life learning that they can in addition to learning about accounting topics. That is a good story. Brian, how about you? I, I know you wrote that article. Obviously, you know, we all know that we're going to talk about some of the topics in that article, but what led you to write the article in the first place and, and why is it so near and dear to you to help others pass? Yeah, Mark, I don't believe in coincidences. And literally last week, I was rummaging through my closet here in my office and I came across the actual letter that I received when I finally passed the exam. It, it's more than 20 years old, <laughs> uh, and it has my scores on here. So I've got 75, 77, you know, you can, my, my scores are on here. And when I found that letter, the amount of emotion that filled me up in just reading the letter, it was almost like I went back you know, over 20 years ago, and I was back to the day when I originally opened that letter. And I can remember, you know, I, I don't know how the letters work now, but I actually had to physically open the letter. And so much of that experience of opening that letter, so much of the experience of going through the exam to me was about, it was about studying, sure, but it was so much about emotions and the the amount of pain that I went through during that process and the eventual joy it was so heightened. And I always feel like whenever there is something like that in our lives that is just so emotional, there's also an opportunity to really learn something about ourselves. And so I, re I realized in reflecting on my journey that 
the CPA exam, the whole process that you go through and, and the failures and the struggle, you know, that that was an opportunity for you to really learn something about yourself. You can learn about failure and time management and saying no and, and those types of things. But it, it was also an opportunity, to, yeah, to, to really just learn. And uh, so much, another reason, so much of the chatter about the exam, I feel like can be negative. And I felt like if I put something out there in the world in, in, in this article where it was like, hey, let's make it be about positivity and be about learning something, I thought maybe that I could help some people that I know struggle through to make it through this exam and maybe help their mindset just a little bit. And, and I'll tell you, having Amber reach out to me, you know, and having other people reach out to me about that article, it has just made it so worth it. Because again, just opening, seeing that letter again, it brings me right back into it. I know exactly what they're going through. And one of the reasons why we want to support candidates is because we know what they've gone through. We know the emotions of what they're going through and, and, and we want to help them to get to where they want. Mm. Yeah, those are some good points as well, Brian. I, I was just thinking about it. I, and I guess people that aren't accountants, probably can't relate, or I, I don't know if they could, yeah. but, I, you know, when you think about emotional times in your life, I mean, you know, if you have family, I guess, you know, getting married and having a child, those rank higher, but right under that would be passing the exam, you know, it's, it's that important. Wow, I'm going to have to go find my letter. By the way, I was, I was efficient like you, Brian, it's right in the 75, 77. The perfect score. That's right. But Amber said a word I wanted to hone in on. She mentioned goals, you know, and setting goals. And I think for a lot of people that, you know, set out to become a CPA, at least in the early parts of it, it their goal is simply, I'm going to become a CPA or I'm going to pass. I'm not sure people do a lot more goal setting than that sometimes. I mean, what what does a good goal look like or a good set of goals look like for passing the exam? What, what do you recommend in the goal setting area? I can speak to that. So first and foremost, and I, I go back to, it's funny, like I first read Brian's article. Jeez, Brian, that was probably like eight years ago. In the article, he calls it the mother of all tests. And so that is like, I think that, that, that language is so helpful because this exam is not just like any midterm a student has taken or any final. It really is a big exam. And so what I know from the coaching experience and one of the very first things I do with candidates, whether it's someone in our group program, Priming for Performance, Acing the CPA exam, or sometimes people engage me one-to-one -one with help to pass the exam, is to actually have them go through very granularly and to establish their study goals. And in coaching, there's a competency really helping people to distinguish facts from interpretations because I would say, well, how much did you study when you failed? And they'd say a lot or a little, and I can't measure a lot or a little, and neither can they. So, the basis for it is to looking to what does the AICPA or the review course providers, what do they recommend? So they might recommend, say, for financial study, 160 hours. And then there's the nuance, like the longer you've been out of college, the lower or higher your GPA, you want, might want to flex up or down. There's also for people who maybe were really hustling to get like the 150 semester hours, they might have taken intermediate over an intercession in two or three weeks, which is not really taking intermediate slowly, learning everything in detail over an entire semester. So there are different reasons why that 
recommended 160 might actually need to change based on that individual's experience. And then looking at the broader context of their life for what's realistic. Because another thing I noticed is the trend is to plan like everything's going to go perfectly. Like, you know, you're not going to get sick or your child's not going to sick. You're not going to have an engagement that you're working on that takes considerably longer than you expected. So building in cushion for when the unexpected happens, because if you get a 74 and you studied 150 hours, you might as well have not studied 150 hours and gone to Cabo or, you know, Paris, I don't know, wherever you want to go. Um, so just really helping them like come up with not just setting goals, but really honing in, considering what their life is, planning for the unexpected and just thinking through a lot of different ways of what might impact what their particular study schedule needs to look like. And then keeping them to that, right? So as they go through the weeks or months that they have in preparation time. Do you have anything to add, Brian? Yeah. I mean, I, I really like what Amber said there about, you know, it's a place for you to be able to learn that, hey, things don't go perfectly. And, and how do you create the cushions and buffers in your life to be realistic? And I think that that serves you for the, the exam and studying, but also the rest of your life. Yeah. A couple of words that came up for me, you know, as Amber said, this is a major test, you know, and it's not like you can set one goal. You have to actually learn how to create milestones. You know, how much am I going to study? How long am I going to study? When am I going to study? What is success in one of the four areas that I'm maybe studying? You know, and, and you have to break it down. It's not just about milestones, but it's about the habits. What are the daily habits that you're going to create? And again, not just the study habits, but the whole life habits. You know, how much sleep do I need to get? Uh, how, how can I create the energy that I need to have in my life to be able to study and do everything else that I have going on? So it is such a broad-based exam where you have to put so much into it that I think it challenges you to break down those goals into smaller milestones and also into the daily habits that you'll need, you know, in order to create the life that you have to have in order to put the studying that you need to finally pass the exam. Hmm. You know, sort of on that topic, I know some of the review courses have, you know, recommended timelines for studying and taking each part. Is there and the answer may be no, but is there anything that you find your coaching participants coming you know, into the program needing to know more about with regards to you know, setting good life habits and study habits and you know, other than maybe just the timelines they're giving? Yeah, I mean, I think it's some of the things I'm pointing to things that Brian and I both have said, but kind of deepening it is that, you know, there are accommodations that might need to be made. Like if somebody is going to study for a section and so let's just say audit and they took their audit class three years prior and they're not even working in audit, like that information is going to be really stale versus a candidate who just completed audit, of, you know, they recently graduated college, they know how to study because they just came out of college, like those, that's, you know, an apple and an orange and not all fruits are the exact same. The other thing, and this is, I think, more of what Brian was saying in terms of the self-care. And so a lot of times in the work that we're doing, because the people that are really ideal for our program are people that have failed, you know, that are really struggling. 
And that's where the coaching is so helpful. But when they get to that point and they failed a couple times, there's usually some element of burnout going on. You know, like they haven't had time for self-care or maybe they're unable to get promoted in their at work because they haven't passed the exam. So they're feeling a little burned out because they've been doing the same job for a number of years. And so that's, I think, the part that's really unique to coaching that I've never heard a review course provider talk about, and I don't blame them, right? Like they know all this stuff that I don't know, or I knew enough to get a 75. And we know different stuff, which is like neuroscience. How do you work optimally when you think about my mental energy and my mental focus, you know, that I learn that I can only study it for some people. They can study 10 hours on a weekend, like for Amber Sutter, that didn't work. It was law of diminishing returns. Like after five hours, I was toasted, you know? And so I think it's that, you know, like Brian said, there's the miles, there's the big goal, there's the milestones. And as you're going to reach a milestone, learning and shifting your plan as you're learning about yourself and you're learning about how do you manage your energy, whether it's your mental energy, your physical energy, your emotional or your spiritual, what do you need so that your brain can perform at a, the optimal level. Right. Yeah. I'll just add you know, kind of to what Amber said there, which is accountants sometimes get caught up in just putting hours down and saying, hey, I will study for four hours today. But as Amber said, it's really about the energy that you bring. And, and maybe we shouldn't always be focusing on the number of hours because if you're not getting good study time in in those four hours, you're not doing anyone good there. So how can you be intentional about creating your own self-care plan in a way where, wow, I can actually get a lot done and feel progress in the studying that I have because I have brought the right amount of mental, physical, spiritual energy to that studying, you know, and thinking about yourself, you know, almost like an athlete will say where, hey, how can I optimally perform in a way where I can make the best use of my time by bringing the best energy instead of just focusing on the number of hours and really taking that mindset towards the way that I approach my plan. I can see that. I, particularly as accountants, it's very easy for us to get into, you know, check the box mode. I was told to study eight hours a week. I studied eight hours a week. Check. (laughs) Um, Yes, I can see that. Something that Amber said caused me to want to jump ahead a little bit. Let's talk about failure. So I know when you hear these stories that it, you you feel it, it, it hurts, but we all come across those individuals that have taken it a few times. They've taken parts a few times, haven't passed, or maybe they've, you know, they're about to uh, time out on a part that they did pass because they haven't passed any of the others, and they're talking about giving up. And so, mm. so you guys have programs to help, you know, people get to the exam. When you first hear a story from someone like that, where do you start? I guess what's the starting point to help them? Yeah, Mark. So one of the things I like to encourage with people that have gone through a failure is to really not sweep that failure under the rug. When we fail at something, especially something like the exam for these candidates that it means so much and they put such a commitment into it, it can be really unhealthy to just try and brush it off. You know, think about this matters. You failed. Give yourself some time and space to acknowledge that, to come to grips with it. Find a good friend and just ask for their ear to let you get it out and really get it out. Acknowledge your emotions. Express them. Maybe cry if you need to. 
you know, if you try and brush it off, a lot of times what I found is you'll, it'll continually creep back into your psyche. But if you really allow yourself to let it out, you'll be stronger, I promise you. So one of the things that I think this exam teaches for a lot of us, maybe not everybody, but for most of us, is it how do we deal with failure? You know, and, and what I found is when we try to like push it away right away and go right next to that extra studying, that it'll just creep back in and come back in. And it's a really, I think it's an opportunity for you to really learn about yourself and especially self-love. So many accountants are not, Amber touched on this a little bit earlier, but many accountants are not accustomed to failing. Maybe they've done well in school, you know, they've done well with their first job if they started it. And then the CPA exam can be one of those first instances where they have to deal with failure. And it's so easy to love ourselves when, when things are going well, you know, when, 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 when we have like that outward success, you know, anyone can do that. But what I want to I want to ask people is when they are failing is who do you want to be to yourself when you have failed? You know, how can you express some self-love? You know, in a lot of ways, when we go through a failure, that's when we need to give ourselves the most self-love. So what does it mean for you to be able to do that? And what can you specifically do in those times where you do have that failure? You know, what are some, you know, some questions that can help there? Like, who do I who do I want to surround myself in that time? You know, who do I want to be with? Who do I want to be talking to when I'm going through this? Uh, and what are some maybe specific things that I can do to help myself so that I can come to grips with having not maybe met the goal that I wanted to? You know, can you, you know, do specific self-love habits, you know, like uh, treating yourself to something or expressing gratitude in your life. What are those things that you can do that are truly going to help you with failure? And I know in our, in our program, you know, Amber mentioned at Priming for Performance, Ace in the CPA exam, that's a group coaching program. The emotions of failing and the emotions of thinking about failure are a big part of what people have to come to grips with. You know, and, and if we want to put our best foot forward in terms of studying and having that success, we need to be able to learn to deal with that. And we need to be able to learn to be able to express our own self-love, especially in those times. What about you, Amber? What would you add to that? Because actually, I did want to come back and ask you because you used the term self-care earlier. So how do you help yeah. someone that's in that position? Yeah. Yeah. So that is... So the way that our group coaching program works is it's partly like setting up the realistic study schedule and helping people stay accountable to that and being in a group where they can realize that they're not the only one that's struggling and to get support and best practices and, you know, really normalize the experience. But one of the very early themes, and each week there's a theme, a topic that we go through, and it is called, the theme of the week is leaving past performance in the past where it belongs. In coaching, there's like a little coaching, like a little jargon, a little word that I'm going to explain the psychological piece that's going on for people. So when we don't deal with a failure, we're incomplete about it. And I, the metaphor I have for incompletion is it's sort of like a rock in your shoe. Like you know that it's there and you might be able to continue to walk around in life and it's a little bit of a nuisance, but eventually it's going to get like wedged in between this tender part of your toe and you need to stop you know, untie your shoe, take it off, shake it out, get that rock out of there, put your shoe back on, and then you can go back 
at life with ease and grace and agility. And so there's processes as coaches that we take people through to actually metaphorically have them stop and get that rock out of their shoe. Because whether they're conscious of it or it's in their subconscious, that failure is there. And that takes up emotional capacity. They're wasting emotional energy. They're, there's a devil on their shoulder while they're studying saying, you're not smart enough. You couldn't do it before. You're not going to do it, right? And that's really present. And I, you know, accountants are knowledge workers. They're not using their strong biceps to pick things up and assemble things with their hands. They're using their minds. And so that's why it's really important to take the time to unpack things and process things so that when it comes to doing the technical work, that they can flourish at that because they've sort of cleared up the clutter and other places and crevices of their mind and their heart. Wonderful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't address this topic and because it came out on another episode I did with five recently certified CPAs and I'll never forget the quote from one of them who says, you know, I, I can't go to happy hour. You know, happy hour is for CPAs. I can't go to the gym. Going to the gym is for CPAs. You know, I'm not a CPA yet. And the idea mm-hmm. was that, you know, I need to give up some of this stuff until I pass, you know, until I meet my mm-hmm. goal. Is it as simple as giving up, you know, some of those, those items or, or I guess, are there other items that you find that people have to cut back on or, or give up, you know, other than just the, the few social things that we tend to think about. Whew, that one hit me. <laughs> like, if you, I mean, really, you know, like I literally had goosebumps because they do, candidates really put parts of their life on hold, you know, and that I can speak from my personal experience. Like I did that exam. I eventually passed all four parts and I was so burned out and I was so, I wasn't even, I couldn't even celebrate the accomplishment because I felt like a failure. Like my friendships had atrophied, you know, like I just wasn't myself who I was at the beginning of the journey. And so I think that is part of it that sometimes people just put everything on hold. Like I've talked to people, they're like, well, I'm not going to have a child, you know, like something as significant as that, or I'm not going to do my wedding until after I'm going to do the CPA, let alone the, the happy hour and time with friends. And what I learned from burning myself out was it can't be either or. It can't be like either I have a life or I become a CPA. Like that, it's a way, how do we create a both and? How do we create a study schedule so you say, okay, Monday through Friday, I'm going to study for four of those days. I'm committed to that in a certain number of hours. And I'm going to take one day off for self-care, whether I spend it, you know, by myself, you know, taking myself out to dinner, you know, exercising, or I spend time with friends or family, whatever it might be, so that you don't have to entirely put your life on pause and that actually those acts that you do, self-love, being loved by others, you know, that that can help you. That will fill up your emotional energy and support you and your performance on the exam. And I can tell you when I look at people, I actually just looked at one of someone from our current cohort and I was looking at her plan and I love that she had like self-care hours in her plan in addition to her study hour plan. And I was just like, ah, I love seeing this, you know? It makes me feel good that she's gonna she's taking care of herself very holistically in this experience. Yeah, I, I love that mantra, that that idea of can it be and instead of either or. 
you know, and, and really stripping down your life about what is important and what are the things that you want to honor in your personal and professional life, you know, and really getting down to the basics. And, and yes, you're going to have to be saying no to a lot of things, but what are the things that you are saying yes to that you are honoring that are in line with your values that you can keep up and say and to while you're going through that? Another thing I want to make a point about is I think having to say no isn't always a bad thing, right? So one of the things that I work on with, you know, people that are, have been in this industry for a long while is actually saying no more often. So I think the exam in that time period in your life gives you an opportunity to practice saying no to the things that are non-essential and saying no to people. And that's not always easy for accountants. So I always like to think about it as, wow, in that time of your life, you're really stripping down to your core, preparing for the exam. And then what are the other basic essential things that you want to honor with your family and your profession and all that? And you're saying no to everything else, but you're saying yes to the and of all of that, like Amber said, and that really gives you great practice in saying no to people. And that's something you're going to have to do for the rest of your career, because whenever we say yes to anything, we're saying no to something else. So it's always about, you know, that, hey, what do I truly want to say yes to and what do I truly want to honor? And so it's such a, a tough and sometimes difficult experience, but I also think it really helps you to grow in that area of saying no. And I think that can really serve you later in your career if you keep up that, which is what are the essential things that I'll say yes to in a way where it's an and. It's honoring my desire and my goals around the exam and the essential things that are important to me in the rest of my life. Mm, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that, but yes, a lot of the habits and skills you develop while you're preparing for the exam are going to benefit you throughout the rest of your career, you know, and personal life Mm -hmm. for that matter. (laughs) I hadn't thought about that. Thank you, Brian. That's a good point. That's a good point. One of the things, Brian, specifically I wanted to mention or ask you about rather, and I'm sure Amber will have some thoughts on this as well. Uh, In the article that you wrote, you mentioned the importance of visualizing yourself as successful. And I, I don't know, this may be a little too out there for some of the audience, but you know, when I think about visualization, I, I'm thinking about you know, sitting in my recliner with my eyes closed and you know, <laughs> picturing you know, running through a field or, or something like that. <laughs> so I, obviously, I'm, I'm a novice at visualization. So let's, let's talk about that a little bit, at least. I mean, how does visualization help in passing the exam? And what's your advice around that strategy, if you will? Sure. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of different ways you can think about visualizing. You can think about doing some formal practices in terms of visualization. But what I always like to remind people is that a lot of times we're visualizing and we don't even know it. In fact, I know this has come up with a lot of people that have struggled with the CPA exam. It would be great if we were always present in everything that we were doing and we were completely focused on what we're doing. If I have to study today, that's all I'm focused on. But what I found in myself and in others is a lot of times we are visualizing we're visualizing the future in almost a negative way, you know, and fears are getting driven off of that. So they're visualizing a future, you know, oh, I might not have enough time to study, or I can't handle all of this, or I'm not going to pass this part again. And just those ideas, those stories, those thoughts in our mind, that's a way to visualize your future, but probably in a way that's not serving you, that's not energizing you, that's not helping with you being focused and present in that very moment in a way that helps you to really study in a way that you want. 
So the first thing I want to remind people is that you're probably already having stories and thoughts about the future in your mind. And the question is, are those stories and thoughts, you know, are those serving you to be most present, to be most uh, motivated, to be most energized? You know, visualizing success is about looking into the future and seeing what you want. And some of the ideas can come about, hey, if I am going to look into the future and visualize, let's think, let's focus on what I want and what I'm striving for instead of what I don't want. And so what are some ways that you can create even just stories in your head about what you want in the future? And, you know, it might be about passing the exam. What's that day going to be like? How do you want to celebrate when you pass the exam? Who will you tell? And you can even write that stuff down or you can like create a vision board where you take some pictures and you make some pictures about what you want to feel when you pass the exam. Is there a gift that you want to give yourself once you've passed the exam, you know, and you're really thinking about the positive future, about the things you want and you want to attract instead of focusing on what you want to deflect or what you don't want. And so that in itself, first of all, realize we're already visualizing whether we know it or not, because we're, we're creating stories in our head. Are those stories serving us? And then asking yourself, what are the stories? What are the visualization that I want to see in the future? Where do I want to get to? How can I be specific about that and make it based on what I truly want? And what I found is that when people are struggling with their confidence, it may be helpful for them to go back to their positive visualization that they came up with that they want to attract in this world in the future. So kind of two points there. Number one, you're probably visualizing more than you think. It's just, are those stories you're sharing with yourself serving you? And number two, focus on what you want. You know, what do you want your future to be? And that may help you to get more present in the, the only time we ever have, which is the now. I really I like want to follow up. So I, I want to like <laughs> jump into this because what I want to say is I would have never done visualization. Okay. Like, like Amber prior to reading Brian's article seven years, eight years ago, however, I can't even remember. See, the accounting thing was not good for me. I'm not good at the numbers, but I would have never done visualization. It would have felt like too woo woo and out there. And in the article, Brian, he talked about it. And I was like, I'm like, I'm desperate. I will try anything because the stuff that I know to do to be successful, to pass an exam is not working for me. And so I literally like visualize what it would be like and to see my passing score. And so you two know, it's not on paper anymore. Candidates go in a lot of times early in the morning, depending on their state, you go in and you log into your account and you, you keep refreshing, hoping your, your score has been posted. But like, I imagine what it would be like when I saw that passing score and who I would tell and how I would celebrate. And so now that is something that I do with candidates. And that is something that I do for lots of goals in my life, personal goals, business goals. I do it all the time. And I've really gotten into learning more about visualization and the power of visualization. And um, if there are listeners who are interested, there's a great book by, um, there's a man named Joe Dispenza. You can follow him on Instagram if that's interest to people. He has little videos. But I really like this book that he's written and it's called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself how to lose your mind and create a new one. In very simple terms, he explains things like neuroscience, like how does the human brain work? And 
why is it that acts like visualization help your brain, you know, perform at better levels or be rested? Different things that I really think knowledge workers should understand. And then he talks about subjects that are a little more out there, like quantum physics. Let everything is energy. Our thoughts are energy. Our table is made up of energy. Our computer is made up of energy. And that if we focus our thoughts, we can actually influence the future and create future realities. And through reading his book, I really had a big aha in terms of why were there things that I was able to visualize and create and why were there things that I couldn't? And he says it's not just being able to see that future result that you intend to create, but to feel the emotion of it. Like, can you feel what success feels like in that moment? Can you feel like how good you feel on the inside to know you got that passing score or how great it feels to tell your parents that you passed the exam or whatever it is for a person. And so, you know, because that was such a significant aha for me when I'm helping candidates, I really have them both. What do you see? What is possible? What do you, what's the work you can imagine doing that you can't do today now that you have this designation, you know? When you earn that many more dollars, what does your new house look like, right? But how does it feel to sit in that living room? The coolest thing, this is where I, why, one of the reasons why I love coaching people in this regard is the intrinsic rewards I receive because I'll get, you know, emails or text messages years later going like, oh my gosh, my life is that thing. Remember that exercise we did and we wrote all that stuff? I'm here right now. I've achieved this place, I'm at this place that I saw for myself. And it's just, it's incredible. And it's an amazing and it's a it's really an honor and a privilege to be able to help people create these lives that they want. Mm. Wow. Yeah, y'all both make me want to just go take the exam again, just to feeling. Now, now, that is something if we have you feeling that way, Mark. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> Well, thank you both. You guys have been just extraordinarily generous because I know that what we're doing here is basically sharing snippets of the coaching program that you offer to the marketplace. So this really was very kind and, and generous of you both. And I do want to be respectful of your time. Got a couple other things I want to go over before we close it down. But one thing is definitely, you know, tell us about your programs that intend to lead, you know, any programs you have around this topic, but then anything else that you feel like accounting professionals should be aware of that you guys offer? Sure. Yeah. So thanks, Mark. So as we mentioned, our main program that helps and coaches people in a group coaching environment to get ready for the exam, it's called Priming for Performance, Ace in the CPA exam. And I think we've mentioned it a few times. And if you go to our website at Intend to Lead, that's I-N-T-E-N-D, and then the number two, lead.com, you'll see it's right on the front page there. It's one of our newer group coaching programs, and we're so excited about it. It allows you to create a, we have teams, you know, it's a group coaching environment where people get to work with others that are going through the same things and they get to work with Amber as a coach and, you know, and, and, and work through these challenges and be intentional about how they're going to prepare for the exam and, and all the things we've been talking about. And we're just so excited about this program. And I'll, and I'll tell you, Mark, one of the awesome things is that we're starting to hear people 
come in with their passing grades and for us to be able to celebrate, you know, that people have gone through this. I don't think our profession celebrates enough. So one of the things we get so excited about is when people share with us, hey, they were they've gone through our program and now they're they're passing. And that's just such a thrill for us. And we're so honored to be a part of that. And also people get to to realize and see that the power of coaching and just becoming reflective and intentional in your life. So that is our main program that's on our website. Uh, we'd also love to just connect with people that are out there and listening. And you can go to our website, sign up for our emails, and you'll get our newsletter and we, we provide fresh content all of the time on there, you know, at least once a month. And the things that we focus on are, are like the CPA exam. We focus a lot on what are the emotional challenges that people are going through, you know, the fears and the love and everything in our industry and what are they going through. And, and that's what we write about. That's what we blog about. And, and so we'd love to get connected with people so they could be part of that as well. Amber mentioned the dimension of possible. That's what we live for. We, we help accountants invite them and coach them into what we call the dimension of possible. And that's a place where it's not about fear. It's not about having to do things in traditional ways. That's a place where we can love uh, what we're doing and we can create the life that we want. And, and that's what we want to help create in our industry, which is that dimension of possible. Beautiful. Well, well, thank you again. You both have just been very, very generous, much more than I could have asked for. And this really has been wonderful. Well, for the audience, this has been Life in Accounting. We are a podcast production of whereaccountantsgo.com. If you haven't yet come out to the website, please do so. We have a tremendous amount of accounting career-focused content there for you. Obviously, all our podcast episodes, we have a blog section, we have books, and actually, we're just launching a, a new job board as well there. So you can find that at www.whereaccountantsgo.com. Well, on that note, Amber and Brian, I think I'd like to close with the best like one-liner piece of advice you would have for passing the CPA exam. What are your thoughts, Amber? Mm, a one-liner. I'm verbose. That's a challenge. Maybe it's failure is an option. You know, that if you look at the NASBA produces reports on candidate performance, statistical evidence of how people are doing. And I think the t last time I saw it, like only 10% of candidates pass all four on their first attempt. <laughs> it's really more of an anomaly than the norm. And so like there's so much gift in this quote unquote failure. So failure is an option. Mm. Wow, I love that. Yeah, I would just add that the, you know, the CPA exam, you know, to me, it's a journey as much as it is a destination. I know it feels that way because of the scores and all that, but I would just encourage people to use it as an opportunity to learn about yourself and really use it as an opportunity to be able to express that self-love to yourself. That would be the thing I would love to finish with here. Thanks, Mark. Beautiful. Well, thank you both. And thank you to the audience as well for joining us. We will see everyone next week. There's more to come.